Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. AEW successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long term booking. much for joining me on this Monday night. It is April 25th, 2022. I am JD from New York, as always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on this Monday night, wherever you may be. Jesse, I thought I thought I told you to take the fucking liquor, man, and clean it. It's so fucking dirty, man. I smell it from here. And why didn't you tell me I still have my glasses on? Listen, man, I'm going to dump you on Wednesday night. So you know what? I already did. <laughs> He's out of here, man. He's out. He's fired. We fired Jesse on Wednesday night. That's another story for a different day, though. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw, man. This is off the script, as always. You know, it wasn't a bad show tonight. It wasn't a bad show tonight. Um, a lot happened. And a lot happening is good because it gives us something to talk about. Listen, I'm just joking with Jesse, man, but he is, fi- he is fired. He is fired. We'll, we'll talk about that on Wednesday. But a lot happened on Monday Night Raw tonight. And a lot happening is good because it gives me something to talk about. It really gets people excited. I don't know how the show came off to you guys, but... Oscar returning and Gollum returning, or if you want to call her the the Wicked Witch of the West, 
Becky Lynch, I'll take that as well. Don't know what the fuck she's dressed as. Clearly, she's not taking tips from her husband because she looks downright ridiculous. Becky Lynch, Asuka, and Mustafa Ali have all returned to the WWE. In what capacity, I don't know. WWE usually generates some buzz around all of the returns and the excitement around, oh, fresh faces on Monday Night Raw. But at the end of the day, folks, at the end of the day, we always go back to what we always say about Monday Night Raw. It is usually something that happens to everybody on Monday night. They all just become ordinary. Everybody just kind of settles into their role and they become like everybody else. Nobody really stands out as important. How many weeks have we gone on Monday Night Raw? WrestleMania was in the beginning of the month, right? This is what, four weeks now? Four weeks now removed from WrestleMania. And I will keep saying this until we get something fixed. WWE does not, and we're still operating under a brand split, if I'm not mistaken. I will keep uttering this every single week until something is done here. WWE is still operating on Monday night without a WWE champion. There is no world championship on Monday Night Raw. So what are we exactly fighting for on Monday night? Unless you're really telling me without actually telling me that WWE WrestleMania Backlash is nothing more than a throwaway show. Because there is no WWE Championship on Monday night. So by default, what is the main story on Monday night? Oh, yes, it's the Usos and RK-Bro. The Usos aren't even a part of Monday Night Raw. The Tag Team Championship is the biggest thing happening on Monday night. And one half of the Tag Team Championship scenario is from SmackDown. But there is no world champion on Monday night. This is going to be a problem for as long as WWE continues to make it a problem. And it will ultimately bring down Monday Night Raw. And I don't know how much further Monday Night Raw could be brought down. The big thing that happened tonight was Randy Orton and Randy Orton's 20th anniversary in WWE. We all love Randy Orton. Randy Orton's one of the greatest of all time. So however long he wants to remain in WWE, if he wants to make it 25 years, fine. Fine. If he wants to make it 30 years, like The Undertaker, fine. As long as he is happy and healthy. Randy Orton's one of the best of all time. They did a mini celebration tonight of sorts for Randy Orton. Nothing really over the top. There wasn't any real big speech. There wasn't balloons. There wasn't champagne or any sort of party for Randy Orton. It was just something that they used to build an entire three-hour show around, and that was pretty much the basis of it. Becky Lynch, she came back tonight looking as ridiculous as ever. I don't know what she's doing in her spare time, but clearly she's been reenacting scenes of Lord of the Rings in front of her mirror while Seth Rollins is in the shower. That's exactly what Becky Lynch is doing, man. She's reenacting lines from Lord of the Rings 
She's pretending to be, maybe she voices Gollum in the new Lord of the Rings video game coming out. I don't know. I don't know. Or isn't there an Amazon series that they have coming out, a new uh, Lord of the Rings TV series that's coming? Maybe she's playing Gollum in that. I have no fucking idea. Or maybe she's auditioning to be the new Wicked Witch of the East in Cinderella. I don't know. Oh, now take these, these little the poisonous apples, my precious. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Becky Lynch, man. Seriously. What are they doing with Becky Lynch? We're going to have a nice little rant about uh, Becky Lynch when we get to that portion of the show, man. I I can't tell if she's a pro wrestler or if she's uh, somebody that I should be reading about to my future children as far as a fairy tale to put them to sleep. I don't know. I don't know. It's ridiculous what they've done to this woman, man. And it really questions me. To ask the question to you guys, why is everybody making a big deal about Becky Lynch when this is probably the worst we've ever seen her? And was she even that good to begin with? What was all the hype about? That's what I'm questioning about Becky Lynch. Oscar came back. I I don't know why we're feuding Oscar with Becky Lynch. I said this on the podcast on Sunday night. Oscar would have made sense to view the Becky Lynch if Becky Lynch was still the world champion. But Becky Lynch is not the Raw Women's Champion. And Oscar and Becky Lynch is just something to appease the audience because they don't know any better. So Oscar realistically was brought back with no plan in place. And WWE latched on to Becky Lynch because there's a history there. And WWE doesn't have anybody else to create new history with, with an incoming Oscar returning to the show. Was I close? I think so. I nail that one. Just like I nail everything else on this fucking show. Ali, he's back on tonight's show. He's going after the United States title. And he was embarrassed on tonight's show. Not once, not twice, but three different times. And then sneak attacked by Champa. Not Tommaso Champa. Champa. That's what they're calling him now. They cut half of his name on Monday Night Raw. He is no longer Tommaso. I guess we should take this as a rare W for WWE, as long as he doesn't sound like anything off the fucking Il Molino uh, menu when I go downtown to my favorite Italian restaurant and order something off the fucking menu that's way overpriced. We're glad he's not named after something on a fucking Italian menu. It could have been a lot worse for Tommaso Ciampa. Cut his name in half. And that was pretty much it on Monday Night Raw. We got more Edge and Damian Priest. We got more Veer. And that was pretty much it. It's pretty much it. We're going to talk about it all right here on Off the Script, man. I appreciate you guys joining me on the post show here on your Monday nights, wherever you may be. Hopefully, you guys enjoy that new intro music. If you guys were wondering who that's by, man, that's by the band Ultra Boss. Man, some good shred wave gets my blood going, man, really. Really fits the vibe of the podcast and the live streams incredibly well, man. So go check those guys out. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. For anybody that's asking, for anybody that's asking me, I know I had a couple people ask me today, JD, what are your thoughts on Elon Musk buying Twitter? Are you leaving Twitter? No, I am not. I am not going anywhere. I don't give a fuck who owns Twitter. In fact, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that he paid $44 billion for Twitter, man. Seriously, you should buy WWE with that type of money and fucking give it to me. 
I'm not going anywhere, man. I don't give a shit who the fuck is running Twitter. I'm going to continue doing business as usual, no matter what. That's what I've always done. So follow me on Twitter, at JD from NY206. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys continue to hit that join button. We got almost 600. I believe we're just about over 600, man. 600 channel members right here on the on the OTS VIP club. So make sure you guys hit that join button and become an OTS VIP. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Let's try for a thousand likes minimum on today's OTS. Super chats, get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show, man. Listen to some good tunes, drink some cold beverages as always. So make sure you guys get those super chats in. As always, we will read through them at the end of the show. Go check out yesterday's live off the script episode 427 we were live for almost three hours going over all the weekly news and rumors including that major triple h exclusive interview he did with the athletic we broke that thing down and claimed that the entire thing was a complete sham so go check that out on top of everything else we talked about live on the homepage right now on top of all the other stuff you might have missed last week, man. Tons of live streams, a couple of extras. It's all there. So go check it out if you guys want more content from yours truly. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of the OTS online merchandise shop. Go get your t-shirts at Bonfire.com. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. That is code JD at checkout. You're going to get yourself a free sample. All you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. So I want to thank Blue Chew for once again being a great friend and a sponsor right here on Monday night for the Monday Night Raw Off the Scripts post show for April 25th, 2022. Let's get into the top, man. We got Monday Night Raw starting off with none other than Randy Orton, Randy Orton, had this beautiful video package done to commemorate his 20 years in WWE. Here's to another 20 more for the legend killer. If anybody wants to know what my favorite version of Randy Orton is, it is the legend killer, Randy Orton. So, Randy Orton comes out. We got this big video package. He's out there with Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle introduces him. You have everybody that is on the Monday Night Raw roster surrounding the ringside area, including the heels, including somebody like Veer, which I get we all got to celebrate Randy Orton, but this is not a retirement. This is not a huge milestone where he's going to walk away and never be seen again. This is just 20 years of service in the WWE. Veer's out there, and then moments later, an hour later, we, we see Veer dominate some fucking poor jobber out there. Don't really want to see guys like Veer out there, and then an hour later, decimating somebody, drooling from the fucking mouth, foaming at the mouth, that's spilling this guy's blood. Doesn't really make a good uh, pre- presentation for uh, Veer Maha. It's a little takeaway from that, man. We don't need to see things like that. Keep those guys in the back. If you want to present them as monsters, they shouldn't be out there with Randy Orton. Randy Orton's out there, and fans are chanting, Randy, Randy, Randy. Orton says he was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. (laughs) 
Crowd was dead tonight, by the way. Crowd had no life to it. For Bianca, they had life. For Randy Orton, they had life. For everything else on the show, they didn't have life. He said it's pretty cool that they're in Knoxville, Tennessee tonight, being that he was born there. He said he hopes fans aren't getting sick of him because he isn't going anywhere anytime soon. He said the 20 years flew by in a flash. He says he's had a lot of badass matches with top-level wrestlers, such as John Cena, Triple H, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Mick Foley, who is threatening to leave Twitter because of Elon Musk's acquisition of the platform. Sorry, Mick. I don't think anybody's going to miss you. And Mick Foley. He then credited Mick Foley, and he emphasized Mick Foley. Without Foley, he wouldn't be where he is today in his career. He threw out Ric Flair's name as well as somebody really molding him into the performer that he is today. He said, what's different these days is that he's having more fun now than at any time in his career. So he said this, and I know a lot of people were probably wondering if that's a work or a shoot. Is he, is he fibbing everybody or is that legit how Randy Orton feels? If I'm a betting man, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I do think Randy Orton is genuine in that statement. I do think he's having the most fun he's having right now in his entire career. I think Matt Riddle has had a really great influence on Randy Orton. I really do believe that. And Randy Orton has everything you could possibly want, man, really. He's got an, uh, I don't want want to say an easy schedule, but he's got a top-tier, top-level schedule in WWE. He pretty much can do and say whatever he wants. You know, the company bends over backwards for him, for all the years of service that he's put into the company. And he's working with Matt Riddle. And I think he really enjoys being in a tag team right now. I mean, a lot of those those feuds that he's had with the names that he's mentioned, man, you know, the, the matches that he's had with those guys take years off of your career. He, he's coasting right now, man. He's having it, you know, really easy as far as the Raw Tag Team Championship run is concerned. He does Half of the work in a tag team with Matt Riddle. He's not in the ring all the time. Being in a tag team is a lot easier on your body than it is for a singles competitor. So he's probably very genuine when he says that. And it's going to make a great story when he inevitably turns heel. I do believe he's going to be the one to turn heel. I know a lot of people, including Jesse, told me tonight that he thinks Matt Riddle is going to turn heel and be the one to turn heel on Randy Orton. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I think Randy Orton is definitely going to be the one to turn heel, and it's going to make for a great story with everything that Randy Orton has said about him loving, uh, you know, RK-Bro and really being a great friend to Matt Riddle and having the best time of his life right now, more so than any point in his career. It's all going to matter when that eventual breakup happens. So I'm very much looking forward to that. A lot of twists and turns. He said the WWE Universe has been with me. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of twists and turns. But you have always come right back and supported me. And if it wasn't for you guys, there would be no Legend Killer. There would be no Apex Predator. There would be no Viper. So I love each and every one of you guys as well. Speaking to the WWE Universe. Real says he had a surprise for Randy Orton. And he said this man was a mentor to him. He said he's a second generation superstar. And looks up to him as a locker room leader. Out comes Cody Rhodes. Fireworks for Cody Rhodes, not the overwhelming fireworks that we've gotten for Cody Rhodes. They didn't blow their their budget tonight on fireworks. It was merely 
coming down the aisle, and it was just some Goldberg-esque sparklers that popped when Cody Rhodes came out. Randy Orton is out there celebrating his 20 years in WWE, and Randy Orton himself didn't even get fireworks. But Cody Rhodes got fireworks tonight during his entrance to join the party there in the ring for Randy Orton. So, Cody Rhodes is there. He made his full entrance. And Seth Rollins was sitting at ringside in a commentary chair. And he says, oh, isn't this cute? Rollins is sitting there. He's wearing this green, this hideous St. Patrick's Day green suit. He looked like a fucking green M&M out there. He looked like the fucking leprechaun from Lucky Charms looking for the goddamn marshmallows over the rainbow, Seth Rollins. He's out there. Oh, isn't this cute? He told Orton not to trust Cody. He said he'll try to steal his spot if he does. Seth then told Cody, not everything is about you. He said it's about Randy. Cody then gave Rollins an applaud. So Riddle is out there. He's making expressions. Seth continues and says his career is 20 years in the past. He says his best years are behind him. He's not the present or the future of WWE, and neither are you. He said that pointing at Cody, not Randy. He said the next generation of WWE superstars won't be inspired by a nightmare or a viper, but rather a revolutionary and a visionary like him. Then Ezekiel interrupted, because Ezekiel was out there as well. Ezekiel said, as a newer, quote-unquote, superstar, this seemed like a great time to say congratulations to Randy Orton, and then introduce himself. He introduced himself as Elias's younger brother, Ezekiel. Kevin Owens then walks out from the side entrance of the building and he walks on down by the timekeeper's area into the ring and he's yelling and he's being very boisterous about Ezekiel, calling Ezekiel a liar. He says he talks and sounds like Elias because he is Elias. He's yelling at the top of his lungs is Kevin Owens. I'm loving what Kevin Owens is projecting far as his uh, hatred and his animosity towards Ezekiel. He asked Orton if he's going to tell him or let him lie to him like that on a night like this. He says he's going to figure it out because he's the only one that has the same mind around here. He's going to figure out how he passed that lie detector test last week. Then the Usos music kits and the Usos come out. Jimmy said it was 20 years that the Viper's been doing this thing. Jay said they were 15 years old watching him. Jimmy asked Jay what his favorite Orton moment was. The Usos then entered the ring. Tensions grew a little bit as the Usos are there because they're feuding with RK-Bro. Jay said their favorite Orton moment is beating them to unify the tag team championships at WrestleMania Backlash. Adam Pearce comes out and he said before they ruin this entire ceremony... They all will be in the biggest match he could book on Monday Night Raw in the main event. He said in commemoration with Orton's 20th anniversary, he's going to book Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and the Usos to team against Cody Rhodes, Ezekiel, and RK-Bro. All eight of these guys argued. 
Owens punched, punched Ezekiel. Orton gave him an RKO. And all of the heels eventually backed off because they didn't want any of RK bro. And we got a main event match and a big eight-man tag in the main event of Monday Night Raw. I thought this was fine. I actually thought everybody played their roles pretty decently here. I thought Kevin Owens was fantastic in doing what he does with uh, Ezekiel and really showing his disdain for Ezekiel. Cody Rhodes was out there reunited with Randy Orton. It was a, a nice sight to see those two guys mixing it up and embracing for the first time on WWE television since Cody's been back. And I don't really know if you guys are feeling the same way that I do. I very much am enjoying Cody Rhodes' run on Monday night. But every time I look at Cody Rhodes, I still, even four weeks later, I still can't believe that we're seeing Cody Rhodes on a WWE programming, man. That goes to show you how big of an influence he was on the AEW audience and for that show. The fact that I'm still feeling that way about Cody now four weeks after he returned at WrestleMania against Seth Rollins. That's pretty, that's pretty, uh, pretty a, big, a pretty big deal. And I think that's a great feeling. The fact that I'm still surprised to see him on WWE television. As far as Randy Orton is concerned, Randy Orton had an interview and he talked about his 20 years with the company. And he talked about Roman Reigns. He was interviewed and he said this in regards to where he's going to be and what his future looks like. A lot of people ask me what my legacy will be. I think you're talking WWE. More specifically, my legacy will be that I was the next guy after The Undertaker that was the only person that never went anywhere else and had more matches, more titles, and more accolades. I don't care. Roman Reigns, I'm sure he's got Dwayne Johnson's agent's number on speed dial. Roman will be in Hollywood. I will still be here. I'm in my, in my prime. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a long way to go. My legacy will be that I did it longer than anybody, end quote. He's going to surpass The Undertaker and go another 10 years. And he's still great. He still looks great. He hasn't, he hasn't really, you know how you get to that age and you decline over the years, Randy Orton, I have not seen that at all in Randy Orton. Randy Orton has wrestled the same way for all the years I've been watching WWE as long as that man's been on television. Obviously looking a little older with the mustache, but he looks incredible. And he's going to be doing this for another 10 years. And Roman, I, I do believe him when he says Roman, at that point, he's not going to last the 10 years and Roman will be in Hollywood. I think Roman Reigns indeed will be in Hollywood just like Randy Orton stated. I thought this was fine. I thought this was a fun open. I thought everybody played their roles right here. Can't really hate on celebrating 20 years of Randy Orton. It did a nice job to set up the main event. And everybody was enjoyable here and entertaining. Can't really say anything bad about it. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. 
Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, for the rest of the show, for the rest of the show, we'll be able to say a lot of bad things about the rest of Monday Night Raw. There are some spots on the show where it's okay to like it, and you're watching it, and you can't really shit on it. But then there are things, the majority of the time on Monday Night, that just genuinely don't make sense. They don't. It's either they don't make sense, we've seen it, WWE shows their lack of creativity, it's not a good watch for three hours. In totality, for three hours, it's not a good watch. Bianca Belair and Sonya Deville, point number one. I was excited about this match because I think Sonya Deville's gotten a lot better in the ring from when we first saw her in the ring. WWE's been doing this thing with Sonya Deville where they have her doing the WWE managerial thing and then wanting to be an in-ring performer. You can't have it both ways. You can't do one and then do the other. You got to give one up and then solely go and do the other one. Sonya Deville and the entire managerial act always finds itself into whatever she's doing on WWE television as far as an in-ring performer. WWE... They don't know how to be creative as far as Sonya Deville's creative is concerned. It's always the same shit. And this match was absolutely no different. No different. Belair made her ring entrance. She was defending the title here. She was coerced into signing a contract, and the opponent for her was Sonya Deville. She was made to look like a blithering fool by signing the contract. Belair made her ring entrance. We've seen a clip of the contract being signed to set up this match. And then we got the ring introductions. So, Sonia, she had to deal with the hometown crowd because this was a hometown crowd for Bianca Belair. Sonia bailed out to ringside, yanked Belair to the floor. Belair reversed through Sonia into the announce desk. She went over the announce desk, uh, over the announce desk flew over the top, landed behind the announce desk. Referee was already up to an 8, 9, 10. Sonya Deville gets counted out in the first two minutes of this match. I'm asking myself, is that it? Bianca Belair is in the ring celebrating. She's jumping up and down. She's swinging her braid. Sonya Deville then gets on the microphone and interrupts Mike Rome. She declared that Belair is not the winner after Mike Rome said she was the winner via countout. Sonia said there was water that spilled at ringside. Yes, this was the excuse that they used. Sonia said that there was spilled water on the outside. She slipped, and her body soaked it up, and now we're restarting the match. So now the match is restarted as a no-count-out match. Fine. She restarted the match. No count-out now. So Belair went after Sonya ringside. Sonya drove Belair back first into the ring apron. She took control of the match. We have this second match. Now, by the way, by the way, I want everybody to uh, realize that Sonya already lost one match. 
She is now 0-1 on this evening. Bella yanks Sonya over the ringside barricade into the timekeeper's area. I thought she was going to get uh, disqualified for something. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. She got disqualified. Sonya, as soon as she went over the barricade, surprised Belair with a chair shot, and the referee disqualified Sonya Deville. So we, we now have a countout that happened, number one. And now Sonya got counted out, number two. There wasn't going to be a third match in the same evening, right? Oh, you, you don't know who you're dealing with here, man. It's Bruce Pritchard. It's Bruce Pritchard. Sonya now is 0-2 on the evening. Referee disqualified her. She interrupted Mike Rome again and said Belair cheated first by using her braid, which then prompted her to use a chair. So she was just evening the playing field. She said the match now will restart for a third time as a no DQ and no count out match. Saxton said, and I love this, Sonya is always moving the goalposts back. It's exactly what WWE does as far as the gimmick and creative for Sonya Deville. So we go to commercial and we get back from commercial break. All of a sudden, we see Carmella. Yes, Carmella is back. Corey Graves was back on commentary. They are back from their honeymoon. We see Carmella in the ring holding Bianca Belair in a two-on-one attack. Then we get introduced to Zelina Vega, who lost her hair extensions along the way in this match because something was hanging on the ring apron, and I'm assuming it was her hair extensions. This was a three-on-one Raw Women's Championship match. So we got a three-on-one. Carmella's in there beating up Belair with Sonya Deville. Belair took over against Sonya eventually, Zelina was there to stop that. She ran in and helped Sonya retake the match. Sonya DDT Belair on a chair for a near fall. The chair that she used to get disqualified. She DDT Belair on the chair. When Sonya wedged her chair in the corner, Belair reversed her into it. Bianca Belair basically no-sold a DDT on a chair. Okay? So the chair is wedged into the corner. She reverse Irish whipped DeVille into the chair. She then knocked Carmella and Zelina off the ring aprons. She then took to Sony with a KOD, executed her finishing move. One, two, three. Bianca Belair wins with the KOD. She, she beats not one, not two, but three people on Monday night to retain the Raw Women's Championship. Why? Is WWE legitimately, we just saw this this year. We saw this this year, right before WrestleMania. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't we watching Sony Deville do the same exact thing to Naomi when she was feuding with Naomi over on SmackDown? But now we're doing the same thing on Monday night on Raw against Bianca Belair, and you have fucking simps and geeks and unintelligent fucking dummies online not realizing what you're watching is a fucking rerun. It lacks creative, and it's fucking boring. The character that Sony Deville plays on television 
is so fucking stupid that she can't come up with anything else but bending the rules in that same way. We just saw this three months ago with Naomi. Now we're seeing it again on Monday. Why would you want to see this all over again done with a different person on a different show? Why don't you start asking questions about why is this being done again and why are you taking Sonya Deville, who I think could be a great asset to the women's division, and not doing anything but the same old shit? I don't understand it. So Sonya Deville bended the rules not once, not twice, but three times. This went from a no count out, no DQ, and into a handicap match. A handicap match is what it turned into. Bianca Belair beat Sony Deville, Carmella, and Zelina Vega in the same night. She beat Sony Deville three fucking times tonight. Now, I don't know how they're going to get us to a rematch because you know exactly what's going to happen. Bianca Belair will defend again against Sony Deville at Backlash. Why? Sony Deville lost three times in the same night, and Bianca Belair just buried three women in the entire women's division to a point where Sonya Deville should never ask for another Raw Women's Championship again as long as she's employed there. Forget the back of the line. She's on the back of the line times 10. It doesn't make sense. Good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. What's the grand excuse going to be? Oh, I'm a WWE executive. I could do whatever the fuck I want. There needs to be a stipulation attached if Sonya Deville is going to get another rematch, she cannot be a managerial executive anymore. If she loses the next match, Adam Pierce, Adam Pierce, honestly, should be, if this is where they're going to go, Adam Pierce should be the one to book the match and put Sonya in the position of if you lose again, you are no longer a part of the managerial executive team on WWE Creative. You're not running these shows with me. There's got to be a reason why he's running Drew Gulak out there twice to get buried on SmackDown, he's taking her spot. That is how you make sense of it. I don't think she deserves another match after what we saw tonight, but the fucking creative bankruptcy that we see from WWE is fucking ridiculous, man. They're pretty much treating you like a bunch of blithering idiots. Like you're not going to recall, oh, isn't this the same shit I saw with Naomi? Of course it was, but you're too fucking stupid to realize that. Some of you and WWE thinks that you don't remember that they just ran this back three months ago. Sure thing. This shit sucks. Does it make Bianca Belair look strong? Sure, it makes Bianca Belair look strong. I don't know how it can if you beat three fucking women in one night and one of those women three times in one night. Do better. Do better. And I won't be on here fucking complaining about your shit creative. Selena Vega and Carmella were backstage. They were arguing. Sonya walks in and said that they let her down. So they lobbied for a title opportunity against Sasha Banks and Naomi. Of course they did, because there's no other fucking tag. I thought they had broken up. That's what I thought. Apparently not. Now they're back together because WWE has no other tag teams on the roster. There's no other women's tag teams in the women's division. So they don't get an opportunity now because Sonya promised them if she won the championship, she'd get them a championship match. Selena complained. DeVille slapped her. Sonya then blocked Carmella slapping her. Sonya reminded her that if you do that, I'm still a managerial executive here. I could uh, 
use my power against you. And she slapped Carmella so hard that she fell down to the ground. She's got a wicked right hand, but she's a fucking loser. Edge. My goodness, man. Edge, edge, edge. Edge is looking great. Edge is looking fantastic, man. The Brood 2.0. We finally have a new name for this new faction led by Edge. They are now named Judgment Day. Judgment Day and WWE finally gives whatever he's doing fucking purpose. Now, if they could explain what their message is and what their mission statement is, I'd love to hear that as well. We finally got a name. I got, I got something. Fl- I got something. Fl- there he is. Look, dead, dead. This fucking motherfucker. What happened? You want to fly around when I'm fucking live, right? This is what you get. I see you fucking bzzz, buzzing around, and this is the fucking fate that you received, motherfucker. <laughs> look, look at him dead. Fuck out of here, motherfucker. Holy shit. Where the fuck did it come from, man? I don't even have a fucking window open in here. Jesse, what are you doing, man? You're taking out the trash. You're letting the fucking bugs in here, bro. Oh, my goodness. My God. Gotta stop the show because you're fucking uh, loitering backstage, man, on your fucking phone. Get to work, clown. Oh, my Jesus Christ. All right, let's get back to business here. Edge. Loving what Edge is doing, man. Loving what Edge is doing. Uh, We finally got a name. Judgment Day. And Priest and Edge. Priest is standing there ominously. And Edge is sitting in his throne. Yes, the, 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 the fly. The fly just got his Judgment Day. What, what, a, what a perfect segue, man. I tell you, man, this is great. This is great. Yes, Jesse, the fly was your fault too, bro. You want, you want, to, be, you want to be fucking smart with me, bro? Listen. I got thunder on speed dial, bro. Keep talking, all right? Um, I'm loving what they're doing, man. Edge is cutting this promo. And Edge said they kick people down as they try to climb the mountain that they sit atop. He took some digs at the Tennessee Volunteers and the current mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. And he mocked fans who are asking him with a Southern accent, why are you wearing shoots and using uh, big words all of a sudden? He's mocking the Southern accent, right? I'll get shit for it, but Edge does it, not a fucking peep. So he said they're better than their favorites. He asked where AJ Styles was this week. He said they're better than their favorites. X where Styles was. And he said they'll likely use the jury duty excuse. AJ's going to use the jury duty excuse, but he's probably at home nursing his injured shoulder. He says he doesn't think Styles can hit his phenomenal forearm with just one arm. Then Priest, he's standing there, and he said Finn Balor's judgment day has arrived. He then laughed like a villain. <laughs> like I did when I killed the fucking fly or mosquito or whatever the fuck was flying around me. Priest, he looks good. Finally. For the first time in months, I can finally say Priest looks good, man. His presentation is looking good on Monday night. I love the evil laughter. He's very ominous in his delivery, man. He's very, he's very villain-like. I like it. 
This may be the best presentation that Damian Priest has had on Monday Night Raw. At least he's not fucking Lou Ferrigno. I'm Damian Priest. Nobody wants to see that. That fucking killed his character. Came out wanting to fucking shoot bows and arrows and light shit on fire and fuck all the women ringside and drink a cold beverage and then you turn him into a fucking comedy geek. It's great. Now he's finally got something where he could really shine and he's sitting next to one of the best promos in the entire business. It's great. Judgment Day, though. He, he, he did say this is Finn Balor's Judgment Day. If you don't think there's an inside meaning to that one, man, you got another thing coming. That has more meaning than you think. Finn Balor has his Judgment Day coming. You know what his Judgment Day is? His Judgment Day is when he looks at his phone and that 201 area code shows up. Oh, yeah, Prince, we're going we're gonna to fire you. We're, we're going to wish you your, your best in your future endeavors. Yeah, people power. People power. And we'll see you in AEW. Yo, fuck AEW. Go to New Japan. Fuck them. That's exactly what he's going to do. You're going to get a call from Johnny People Power, and uh, that's going to be his real judgment day. Watch. Veer Mahan. Veer Mahan. His new music just hit Spotify, if anybody is wondering. I like Veer's theme music, man. I don't know about you guys. I think it's quite uh, fitting of Veer Mahan. The creative of Veer, I don't know, man. I don't know whether this is WWE trying to be creative and push Veer Mahan or if this is something that they're looking back on and kind of using as a rehash of sorts, being that we're getting all WrestleMania rematches at rehash, (coughs) backlash. We are getting the same thing done with Veer Mahan. It's the same shit. Veer Mahan wrestled... Somebody by the name of Sam Smothers. Yes, this was the guy's name. I don't know if this is a actual legit indie talent or if this is somebody that they just picked out of the fucking crowd to be the casualty of tonight's festivities. But Sam Smothers, man, I I don't know what to tell you, but I know I'm not alone in this because I put it out on Twitter. I swear on my grandfather's tomb that I, at first glance, I thought Veer Mahan was actually wrestling Tim the Tatman, big-time video game streamer that occasionally streams with Dr. D. I thought legitimately his opponent tonight was Tim the Tatman. Looked exactly like him, man. I, it could have been a doppelganger. I don't know, but I thought Tim the Tatman, uh, with all the uh, WWE 2K22 commercials he did, I thought he actually had a star appearance on tonight's show. So... We got him in the ring with Veer Mahan, and this guy was destroyed. Big clothesline, that big uh, cervical clutch. You know, at this point in my life, I would probably take that cervical clutch from Veer Mahan because I've been having some uh, lower neck pain, bro. I, I, my, my posture has been terrible as of late. Veer could probably whip me into shape one, two, three. So Veer Mahan got that big uh, cervical clutch, they're calling it, the half camel clutch. He destroyed this guy in under a minute. Veer whipped Smothers into the ring post afterwards. He then applied the clutch again, slammed him on the announce desk. He stood over him and then applied the clutch for a third time on the table. And the referees then pulled apart these two. And Veer Mahan stood animalistic over the Knoxville, Tennessee crowd. Veer Mahan is getting that uh, that big uh, Miro-type brutalize everybody and leave. He's getting the Ryback treatment. It's exactly what he's doing. Now, I don't know what they're doing with Rey Mysterio. We haven't seen Rey Mysterio since Dominic 
was stretchered out of the arena. We could definitely see that at WrestleMania Backlash. We don't know. I don't know what they got going on with Veer Mahan. I don't know why you would book that match and then do all this for Veer and then have him lose to a Rey Mysterio at the pay-per-view, but WWE seems to be giving Veer this perception that he is unstoppable. And most of the time when they do this, WWE hits a wall and then they don't really know where they want to go. They always do this and then they somehow fuck it up. They will fuck this up. I'm letting you know right now. I don't know who he's going to be in the ring with. That's going to be his first real challenge, whether that's Mysterio or somebody else. I don't know. You could feed this guy jobbers for a couple weeks, but before long, this is going to get very old. And you're going to want to see him in there with somebody that actually knows how to fucking wrestle and could get a good match out of him. Nobody wants to be there and watch Veer decimate people in 60 seconds for 10 weeks straight. It'll work out in the beginning, but it will get old very, very quickly. The attention span of these fucking people is that of a goldfish. You got to do something and you got to put him in something serious. Otherwise, I don't think anybody is going to give a shit about Veer Mahan. People are already losing interest in Veer. And WWE, I feel, has already kind of soured everyone on his Monday Night Raw debut. Just by the way that they booked him. I would have made him a babyface, to be honest with you. There's so many here. This is a very heel-heavy show. I think Veer could have been a great babyface. But here we are. Dominant because he's from India. And he's got the big hair. And he's got the big beard. Ah, let's make him a heel. Typical Vince. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Bobby Lashley backstage. He said he knows he's stronger than Omos. The mighty Omos. But he doesn't trust MVP not to get involved in their arm wrestling match. That's what you're worried about, bro. MVP getting involved in your arm wrestling match. Great. Great. We got an arm wrestling match with Omos and Bobby Lashley. MVP stood in the ring. He clearly cut a promo before the festivities took place. Took digs at the fans in Knoxville, Tennessee, calling them simpletons. He complained about Lashley and then vowed that Omos would crush him in the arm wrestling competition and rip his ha- and rip his arm and celebrate with Bobby Lashley missing an arm. Lashley's ring entrance then took place. He comes down the aisle, and they get in the ring, and they're positioning themselves, and they're arm wrestling. There was about a minute or so of these guys kind of evening themselves out. There was no real uh, favorites in about a minute of this thing going on. Lashley slammed Omos's arm down eventually, and he beat Omos in an arm wrestling contest. So, after this was over, MVP distracted Lashley, and then Omos attacked him after the arm wrestling contest was over. Well, what a uh, surprise that happened, right? You know, the arm wrestling contest won by the babyface, man. I'm so shocked to see the heel distract the babyface, and then the heel who lost the arm wrestling contest take advantage over the poor babyface. Wow, i never seen that one before. He bashed him in the arm, with the table, and we had Bobby Lashley destroyed here by Omos and MVP. MVP stood over him and said, and there is your almighty. Omos then took the arm wrestling table and threw it out of the ring because he is the mighty Omos. Waste of my time. 
But hey, it gets WWE clicks on their YouTube channel, and that's the only reason why they booked this. I don't know who, I don't know who watched this and is excited about their rematch at WrestleMania Backlash. If there is one, I'd be shocked. We saw a clip from earlier in the day, R-Truth, 24-7 title, garbage. R-Truth interrupting the two newlywed couples. We have Tamina and Akira, and then Dana Brooks and Reginald. He says he's a licensed, uh, what do they call themselves, uh, to oversee the wedding. He's licensed, uh, a licensed marriage therapist, he called him. He says he's got, or they have 99 problems, but love is not one of them. They all argued. They're arguing back and forth. I don't know why I'm reviewing this. You know, from now on, I'm going to skip the 24-7 segments because they're complete garbage. Nobody gives a fuck. I don't even know why it's on the show. Truth told them to shut up. He suggested a mixed tag team match. He said the 24-7 title rules are going to be suspended for the duration of the match. He then revealed a certificate showing that he is now also a certified referee. Great. Ask me if I fucking care. No. No, I don't. Reginald and Dana Brooke versus Akira Tozawa and Tamina, man. Wow. Well, now, now they want to know why the ratings are a 1-6 on Monday night, but they'll continue to blame the NBA playoffs. Tozawa and Tamina win in under two minutes. Tozawa tagged in. Seconds later, Tozawa climbed the top rope, yelled at Tamina that he loves her, and then landed a top rope sent on for the win on Reggie. Tozawa leapt into Tamina's arms and then kissed her on the lips. Tamina tossed Dana down. Truth then rolls up Dana and counted himself because he's a certified referee. He rolled up Dana from behind. He got the one. He got the two. And Dana kicked out out of three. Dana escaped and yelled at Truth. I trusted you. I trusted you. Truth said it was all a part of the marriage therapy do, do you realize that somebody is actually paid to write this segment of the show it is amazing this is somebody's job this is somebody's job to write this shit i could not i could not even imagine what this person looks like he may be bruce pritchard i don't know i don't know awful absolutely awful speaking of awful Oh, my goodness. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is back on WWE TV. She was not gone long enough. Becky Lynch made her entrance. She still has that ridiculous haircut. She looks like she's auditioning for the band Kiss out there with what she's wearing. She legitimately looks like she raided Gene Simmons' fucking locker room. That's exactly what she looks like. The fucking ridiculous haircut. She came out with these, with these ridiculous glasses on. And she's walking down the aisle to her baby face theme. If WWE has not gotten the, the point yet and, and, continue, and continues to not get the point, I, I don't know why we're getting Becky Lynch continuously coming out all these weeks with her fucking baby face theme. They want to change everybody's theme, but they want to keep Becky Lynch's the same. Becky Lynch's theme used to excite people. It used to 
get people in the mood to see something great on WWE TV. At one point, Becky was great on WWE TV. It was somebody that the fans wanted to see sitting at home and in that arena. Now that theme music goes off and Becky Lynch is somebody that immediately makes you reach for the remote control as soon as her theme music hits. It is ridiculous. Ridiculous. So Becky's in the ring. Crowd is booing her. She took off her sunglasses and she looked all defeated and all sad. She said it's been three years since she's walked out onto Monday Night Raw without her Raw Women's Championship. She said she didn't want to show her face on Raw because she doesn't know who she is without that title. I could ask the question, I don't know who the fuck Becky Lynch is, period. I don't know what she's trying to be. I don't know who she's trying to emulate herself after. I don't know who Becky Lynch is anymore. Why? What is she dressed as and why does she look like somebody that should be fucking playing in a hair metal band in the 1970s. I don't understand it. She goes from these different fucking acts and these different attitudes and tries to to stay ahead and be fashionable. She looks ridiculous. Becky Lynch looks ridiculous in there. And she is not a good promo. She doesn't recognize herself. She says she's grown so accustomed to looking in the mirror and seeing a champion, and now she doesn't know who she is anymore. She said she's hit rock bottom. You've hit rock bottom? I think we could all collectively as a fan base say we've hit rock bottom watching this show and you on it. So she said that there is nowhere else to go but up. She's trying to look at the positive. She's trying to look at the positives about it. She's got no championship. She may be rock bottom, but as she thinks about it, there's no place to go but up. So she gets into this crazy tone. She gets into this maniacal fucking act, this tone that she's using. It's the same tone that she used when she cut that fucking promo where all the check marks, all the fucking uh, e-drones and the shills praised that promo where I... Called her out for fucking reciting lines from Lord of the Rings. She sounded like fucking Schmeagel. She sounded like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. I don't know what the fuck people were watching. I didn't see a great promo there. I saw somebody that continues to be a shell of her former self and they're trying to emulate some fucking creature from Lord of the Rings that dwells in a fucking cave. She gets crazy. And she says, this is the, this is the beginning of the end of the Becky Lynch comeback. And she goes on and she talks about how she's going to do the comeback better than anybody else. She says she's like an arrow that is being pulled back. She's told the crowd that they can be inspired by her rise when she overcomes their hometown girl, Bianca Belair. And she gets my precious, my precious, the little hobbitses. It's what she's doing out there. It's exactly what she's doing out there. That's exactly how she sounds out there. She goes back and forth and she's got this high-pitched tone. Holy fucking shit, can I throw you into the fucking volcano? Oscar's music hits. Holy shit. My precious. Oscar comes out. 
I don't think I've ever been happier to hear Oscar's fucking theme music in my entire life, Oscar. Oscar's music plays. She made her way down the aisle dancing all the fucking same shit she used to do, Oscar, right? Then she spoke in Japanese. Oscar cut a better promo in Japanese. I didn't understand one fucking word out of this woman's mouth. She cut a better promo in a language I don't speak than Becky Lynch cut in English. I will stop you, she says, because no one is ready for Asuka. She danced goofy in the ring and did her fucking little dance, and then Becky took a swing at her. Asuka avoided it. She went for the spinning back fist, and Becky Lynch bailed. She was running up the fucking mountain, ready to throw the goddamn ring into the fucking mountain. Becky Lynch. Holy shit. Becky Lynch is fucking garbage. I cannot reiterate this anymore to you people watching me right now. I don't know what the fuck they are doing, man. If you honestly think that being inspired by Lord of the Rings... Because that's exactly what she sounds like. Nobody's going to convince me otherwise, man. My precious, right? She's going to go to the fucking Shire and fucking uh, eat all the little hobbitses. No, 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 I don't want to hear. I don't want to see this, man. The fellowship of the fucking ring is not what you should be emulating Becky Lynch off of, okay? Seriously, she legitimately looks and sounds like she should be dwelling in a fucking cave somewhere because she found some shiny fucking ring that was dropped by some fucking wizard. Holy shit. Everybody's so high on Becky Lynch. She's fashionable. She's a fucking icon. She fucking sucks. This character is as cringe as anything I've ever seen in my entire life watching this show. Seriously. And WWE's had some shit fucking gimmicks, man. Holy shit. She is fucking garbage. Everything about her sucks. She, she's lucky she had such a great match at WrestleMania, man. That's the best thing she's done all year. And it really makes me wonder about Becky Lynch. Man, everybody's so hot. She's a superstar. Where? Where is she a superstar? Where is she a superstar? WWE's taken somebody that we universally have loved and made her into fucking get off my TV channel changing heat, man. I would rather watch the fucking most boringest show on television than watch Becky Lynch ever speak again. Seriously, it really makes me wonder about Be- WWE and Becky Lynch, man. You know, back all those years ago where Nia Jax broke her nose and she's standing there in the fucking crowd, right? And she's bleeding and we got Becky Lynch, stone cold Becky Lynch, right? On her way to getting Ronda Rousey and the Raw Women's Championship. Where's that Becky Lynch? That Becky Lynch we all universally wanted to see more of. Every single week, she was having banger after banger after banger. The crowd gave her the right reaction when she came out. Now I can barely fucking stand the sight of her, and the crowd just doesn't give a shit about her. You have taken this woman, who was a legit superstar, and made her into a fucking comedy act. Seriously, if Bruce wants to watch Lord of the Rings on TNT every fucking weekend, you go do that in your own private time, man. Don't take it to Monday Night Raw. And I've seen the movie about fucking 30 fucking times already. Holy shit. Was Becky Lynch ever as good as we initially thought? That's what I'm asking myself. That's what I'm asking myself. 
this woman, this if she was so good, I want you guys to really ask yourself this question. If Becky Lynch was so good, right? And, and think of all the baby faces that turned heel in WWE. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, uh, Daniel Bryan is, is someone that always pops into my head. He's done it on WWE TV, and he's done it in AEW. Edge is doing it on WWE TV right now. All of these names that I just mentioned, and that is just a fucking tip of the iceberg for who's been a babyface and turned heel. Those four men switching roles have nailed it beyond anything I could really comprehend. They have taken the some of the best babyface characters in all of WWE and they've owned it. And they were just as good, if not better, than their babyface counterparts. Becky Lynch went from being a fantastic babyface to a fucking heel, and she looks like a fucking amateur. Uh, CM Punk is another one. Randy Orton's another one, right? Keep listing them off. Becky Lynch looks like a fucking amateur out there with what she's doing. If she was so good... Don't you think that she'd be owning this heel role? She doesn't know how to be a heel. She doesn't know how to get a heel reaction. She All the reaction that she gets is universally hearing people reach for the remote control to change the channel every time her theme music is on, every time she opens her mouth. She is not as good as people make her out to be. If she was, she would have absolutely fucking owned this gimmick and owned this heel run, and she has dropped the fucking ball every single time, going back to the fucking couple weeks after they buried Bianca at SummerSlam last year. This woman is going to be known for this run as a complete failure. She hasn't made anything in the division better. She can't even make herself look good. She's going to make a fucking division look better. She hasn't made the division look good. She can't make herself look good. She did nothing for Bianca Belair. She did nothing more than Sasha Banks last year. Let's be real, right? What has she done for Bianca Belair? Nothing. WWE did more for Bianca tonight by beating three women in the ring than Becky Lynch did for the entire fucking duration of their feud. She sucks. She sucks. Absolutely, get off my TV. I never, if Becky Lynch disappeared tomorrow from the roster, I wouldn't even give a shit. I would notice, actually, I wouldn't notice because she's so fucking bad, but I wouldn't shed a tear. I wouldn't shed a tear. If she went away and retired tomorrow, that's it. I could not give a single shit about Becky Lynch. What a joke. And if you were Oscar, what difference does it make? Why does it make sense? Because they have a history together. The feud with Asuka would have made sense. Get this, Bruce. If Becky Lynch was still the Raw Women's Champion. Because Becky Lynch handed the title to Asuka when she had to go away to have her baby. Now that she's back, there's no championship involved. There's no championship involved. So why are we fighting? Why are we fighting? Is Becky Lynch upset that Asuka lost the championship now that uh, Bianca Bella has it? Is Becky Lynch upset that Asuka got herself hurt? The fuck are we fighting for? Of all the names, Asuka is your number one for Becky Lynch when we've seen it time and time and time and time again. We've seen it dating back to when Becky and Ronda were doing their first go around. Where's Bailey? I think Bailey would have been better suited for this role against Becky Lynch. I would have much rather seen Bailey and Bianca for the Raw Women's Championship and have Asuka go over to SmackDown. 
Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford were backstage. They cut their usual promo, and Dawkins was talking about God knows what. They hyped the eight-man tag in the main event because they are still eyeing the winners of the unification match at WWE Backlash. Finn Balor. Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. Priest was out there with Edge. I loved the entrance of Damian Priest. He came out with Edge. Edge was sitting on his throne, and we heard Alter Bridges, the other side, and Damian Priest was standing there looking all ominous with the purple lights and the smoke. Looks great, man. Sounds great. Never going to get over that entrance, man. I think I'm a sucker just to hear Alter Bridge on fucking WWE TV, man. My boy, Miles Kennedy, right? We got... Damian Priest then having his music come on, and he comes down the aisle. Nice little touch. You know Edge is out there. You hear Edge's theme music. They switch it right to Damian Priest. Damian Priest comes down with his own theme music because he's his own man. I like that. If this was anybody else, WWE would have had, like they do on SmackDown, they have Butch and Rich Holland, a part of the Fight Night Club, or whatever the fuck they're calling them on SmackDown. They have Butch and Rich Holland come out all the time, every week. To, to Sheamus' theme music. They got no identity of their own. So I very much enjoy Damian Priest coming out to his own theme music. So, Beller, he was razor's edged on the ring apron. That was the big spot in this match. So Beller took over after the razor's edge on the ring apron. Beller took over, and then he looked over at Edge. He's staring at Edge in the aisleway. And I predicted for a couple of weeks that if Edge is going to have any backup here against Judgment Day against Edge and Damian Priest, it's going to be with Finn Balor by his side. That's what Finn Balor is going to be doing with AJ Styles, and he's going to mix it up with Edge and Damian Priest. That was the only logical thing for him to do when he lost that United States Championship. So Balor looked at Edge from the ring. He's sitting in his throne as Edge, and he climbed to the top rope. Priest recovered, gave Balor a South of Heaven sit-out chokeslam. Balor sold it beautifully. Priest was uh, going for the cover, and that was it. He hit the choke slam. He didn't even win with the crossroads. He didn't win with the reckoning. He won with the sit-out uh, sit choke slam, and Damian Priest beats Finn Balor in about six minutes or so. Boy, they're not even trying to keep Finn Balor happy. Lost the United States Championship last week, loses clean here to Damian Priest, which I understand because you got to get Priest and the new gimmick over and the act over with Edge. I get it, but they're not even trying to keep Finn Balor happy. Might as well just hand this guy's walking papers right now, man. Where is Balor? Directionless on Monday Night Raw. It's sad to see. It's sad to see. When is his contract up? He's also going to be getting a fucking phone call from John Laurinaitis. You watch. You watch. Ms. TV. Ms. TV. We're going to talk about Ms. TV in just a second. Check it on the chat. We got 2,200 people live right now inside the OTS venue. We are number one in the community from what I see, man. As always, I appreciate you guys very much for stopping by and making your Monday Night Raw post-show destination right here on the podcast. 2,200 plus in the venue. We got 769 likes. Guys, let's try and hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's Monday Night Raw post show on Off The Script. Helps me out, man. And there's enough people in here to get the job done. So if you guys have not hit the thumbs up, please do so. Get your super chats in. Get your super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show and get those memberships in as well. Become a VIP right here on Off The Script. Today, sponsored by Blue Chew. 
BlueChew.com. Guys, it's that time of year, man. The weather's getting nicer. It's fucking hot in here. And spring is just around the corner, man. It's also, it's also a great time to get that confidence where it needs to be, man, especially in the bedroom. The weather's getting nicer. It's going to be beach weather before you know it. Blue Chew is going to help you guys when it's time to step up to the plate, man. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost, man. You guys can take them anytime, day or night, and you can even plan ahead and be ready when the opportunity arises. The process is very simple. You go to BlueChew.com, you sign up, you consult with one of their online medical providers, and once you guys are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. And the best part is it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to you, right to your front door in a very discreet package. I always talk about first impressions, man. When somebody makes their debut on Monday Night Raw or Friday Night SmackDown or AEW Dynamite, for that matter, it's always about how the first impression came off. But what about a lasting impression? AEW does a good first impression, but WWE never has a good lasting impression. Don't be... WWE. Guys, I got a special deal for all of our listeners tonight. Try Blue Chew for free. Promo code JD. That's capital J, capital D at checkout. All you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's bluechew.com. Promo code JD. And I want to thank Blue Chew for once again sponsoring the podcast right here on Off the Script. Miss TV, man. We're going to talk about Miss TV. And the return of Mustafa Ali. Miz is in the ring. He's about to interview Austin Theory. Austin Theory is the new United States champion. There was a report today about Austin Theory. Austin Theory has been pushed strong since he's really made his main roster debut. You knew that Austin Theory was going to be something. They even placed him with, uh, I believe they placed him alongside Seth Rollins. They... Used him with Andrade and Zelina Vega. Even during the pandemic when they needed bodies, Austin Theory was there to work the WWE Performance Center shows in front of nobody, if you guys remember. He was drafted to Monday Night Raw out of the last draft in 2021. Russell Votes reported today that WWE has bigger things in the future planned for Austin Theory, as Vince McMahon sees him as the next John Cena. John Cena is still, to me, one of the primary faces of WWE. WWE's biggest star since Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock is John Cena. Now that his push is in full effect, says Russell Votes, sources state that he anticipates bigger and bigger things for Austin Theory. A person with direct knowledge states that Vince sees a young John Cena in Austin Theory and will give the kid everything he needs to be successful. I've been calling Austin Theory the next John Cena from the first day I laid eyes on him in Evolve at Club Laboom here in Queens when I went to go see him wrestle Roderick Strong at an Evolve show. I called him the young John Cena then, before he even made it to WWE, before he made it to NXT. And even when he was in NXT, I said he had that John Cena-esque quality about him. Austin Theory, he even tweeted John Cena today 
And John Cena said, everyone understands Austin Theory has more talent, strength, and gifts than I ever had. From everyone that understands about talent, strength, and gifts, he has all of that more so than I ever had. Don't apologize for that, ever. An apology should come 20 years from now if you fail to provide the effort needed to turn your potential into your legacy. I hope that day never comes, says John Cena in reply to Austin Theory's tweet about him being the greatest United States champion in WWE. That's some pretty big fucking advertisement from the man himself, the man that John Cena or the man that John Cena sees uh, a young version of in when he looks at Austin Theory looks at himself and Vince McMahon sees John Cena when he looks at Austin Theory. Man, that's a big, uh, a big fucking advertisement for Austin Theory, man. That is huge for him. Now, I'm okay with Austin Theory getting pushed. I really am. Uh, I think WWE really needs to find somebody that is going to be the next guy. He's only 24 years old. I believe he's 24 years old. He's got a lot more years to go before he even sniffs being at that type of level. But I will say this. I will say this. Everybody that W... And this is why I don't understand... You know, if it wasn't for the dirt sheets and it wasn't for social media, we wouldn't know this yet. But this is my take on it. I don't like knowing this. We see it happen on television. Now we're hearing it more so in in words. And now we're seeing it materialize even more so on WWE television. If WWE is taking Austin Theory and they're going to make him into the next big face of the company because they're going to need somebody because Roman's not going to be there for the length that Randy Orton wants to be there. Roman's going to be gone, and they're going to need somebody else to be in that position to lead them into the future. Is that going to be Austin Theory? Only time will tell. I'm not going to discredit him because he is great right now at 24 years old. But every time WWE, corporate, pick somebody and handpick somebody to be the face, they always have a way of making it fucking so apparent to a point where it's downright nauseating. Look at what they did with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns looks and acts like a legit star. The first day I laid eyes on him in NXT, you knew that Joe Anawaii was going to be a major fucking deal in W. I mean, look at him in his early days in NXT. The hair, the fucking goatee, the tattoo, the muscles, the size, everything about him. Everything about him. He then debuts with the Shield, and then WWE's off to the races. Seth Rollins turns on the Shield. Roman and Dean Ambrose go on their separate journeys. Roman is then propelled into the main event scene, and WWE, for seven fucking years, gave him everything, and the fans regurgitated it and fucking threw it up in WWE's faces. If you take Austin Theory and you take him and WWE Creative is telling you that this is the guy, this is our guy, get ready for it. If they don't learn from the Roman Reigns fucking experiment, then Austin Theory is doomed to fail. I'm telling you right now. The only thing that Austin Theory's got working for him is that he's a fucking heel right now. Roman was positioned as a babyface and WWE wanted him as the face of the company way too quick before he was even ready And Roman was vilified and hated. Do not take Austin Theory and shove him, jam him, 
choke us down our throats. Don't. Austin Theory is way too good at this age to follow the same path as Roman Reigns. Now Roman Reigns is the biggest star in the company because he turned heel and Roman Reigns is allowed to be himself. And if Roman wants to go babyface again, I think everybody's going to be more on Roman Reigns' side because we saw the real Roman. This is Austin Theory's baby phase. This isn't the final form of Austin Theory. This is not Austin Theory that's going to lead the company taking fucking selfies of himself. This is Austin Theory in infancy stage. Austin Theory, when he reaches fucking Super Saiyan level, is going to be a lot different than what we see now. This guy could be the guy, but WWE has to get him in a place where they don't fail like they did with Roman Reigns. Stop. Before you even go, think. Stop. Don't. If they start shoving this guy down down our throats, he will fail. Nobody, I'm telling you right now, nobody wants somebody handpicked by the office and them telling us that we have to get on board and like it. Let it happen organically. Let it happen naturally. If Austin Theory is the guy, let it happen. Let us guide who is the guy. If it's Austin Theory, great. Outside that, they got nobody else because WWE has their backs against the wall and they need somebody quick because they know Roman's not going to be here for the next five years. Miss TV. He was on Miz TV, Austin Theory, interviewed by The Miz. Theory said, I have to admit, it's kind of looking like I'm looking in a mirror, looking at The Miz. Miz said, when I was young, I had to learn and earn with a capital T. Theory said his name isn't The Theory, it's just Theory, according to Mr. McMahon. Miz says, it's been 12 years since someone brought credibility to the U.S. title. Theory said Miz was U.S. champ 12 years ago. Miz says, correct. Theory feels he's on another level being the United States champion. He said he grew up being inspired by the Miz. He says he's making Mr. McMahon proud and will take the U.S. title to new heights. He says he's the youngest U.S. champion in history and will be remembered as the United States champion. He says he can do this all day. All day. Miz offered him advice He says when he becomes champion, everyone around him becomes jealous. He said nothing infuriates people more than when handsome young trendsetters like them succeed at every turn. He said everyone in the locker room is a parasite. He says they handed out United States championships like they were coat checks at Coachella. He said no one should be allowed to just demand a title match from him. They have to earn it. Out comes Mustafa Ali. Ali marched out. People were surprised to see him. He got a very lukewarm reaction, but this is the type of reaction that somebody gets when he's off TV since fucking October. Zero to little reaction for Mustafa Ali. And it's sad. Ali's out there, and Miz said, listen, you're trying to get yourself some notoriety out here by interrupting our little segment here. So Ali marched out. Sometimes the only way to force change is to change yourself, said Corey Graves. I didn't see nothing as far as Ali and change out there on Monday night. Ali played to the crowd, the lukewarm reaction. You still work here, Miz then uttered. 
Theory asked, aren't you the guy that took his ball and went home? So not once, but twice, we got WWE throwing it in Mustafa Ali's face that he wanted to leave the company and not be there. Now, I, out of everybody else, appreciate that. But this is not one of those appreciations that I'm going to really stand behind. I'm not going to sit here and take this in. Oh, man. Oh, look, WWE's bringing real life into it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. Because this is not one of those situations where they're going to take real life and give us a real, fulfilling, fruitful storyline. There's no plan here. There's no plan here at all. And I'll get to why in a second. You still work here. I thought you were the guy that took his ball and went home. Miss says he's Mustafa, uh, Mustafa's younger brother from The Lion King. Ali said, that joke isn't funny. Miss, if I wanted to laugh, all I have to do is watch you wrestle. I laughed at that line because I thought that was funny. He says he's back on Monday Night Raw and he was talking to Adam Pearce. He said when he heard the new United States champion would be in the ring, he wanted to know if he was holding an open challenge. He said he hopes he's the one to answer it. Fans began a weak yes chant. He then challenged Theory to a match tonight. Theory said he would think about it and then said, no, I'm not giving you the United States title match you want. Ali asked Theory if he is all biceps and no balls. He asked, what is he scared of? He says he's running away like his name is The Miz. Theory defended The Miz and said Miz is a trailblazer and a first ballot Hall of Famer. Miz then said Ali is using him to get notoriety. He says he doesn't have a magic wand where he can just make a match. Theory was standing behind Miz and he said, listen, Miz, I just texted Vince McMahon. And I got you a match against Ali. Miz was not happy that Theory went behind his back and booked a match through Vince McMahon for this to happen. Miz then told Ali when he's done with him, he will make him wish he got his walking papers. Ali slapped the Miz, and we got a match between Mustafa Ali and the Miz. You know, I I love the reports that claimed when they reported this that WWE has a plan in place for Mustafa Ali. No, they don't. No, they don't. You know, I don't know how long Ali has on his contract. Two years, two and a half years, I believe he said. For two and a half years, do you guys think that Ali is going to be booked with plans behind him? Is he going to be booked in a good way on WWE TV? Is WWE going to build a division or a title around Mustafa Ali? No, of course not. If WWE gave, I want you guys to be very well aware of this. If WWE, if Vince and Bruce and Nick Khan gave Ali his release when he requested it, that would be WWE admitting failure because Ali was unhappy there. Ali creatively was unhappy there and was not creatively fulfilled and satisfied in WWE. If WWE released Ali, they would be admitting that they failed and that creative is exactly what Ali thought it was, shit. So they didn't do that. They didn't do that. What they did was let this guy sit at home and Nick Khan and Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard, they realized that they had two and a half years left and Ali sitting at home contemplating and thinking 
Ali's probably not coming up with any other new gimmicks or fucking characters because everything he's brought to the table, WWE has axed and nixed and fucking erased and didn't allow him to, to do anything. So he sat at home and they knew while he was sitting at home that Ali was eventually going to come back to WWE. And all Ali wants to do is be on TV and make a difference. So who's to say that they didn't bribe him to come back to television with potential hopes of maybe wearing a useless mid-card championship and getting a couple of wins under his belt and going out there and cutting an unscripted promo from time to time. You want to be the truth teller. You want to be the guy that brings a sense of realism to the WWE via your promo work. Go ahead. Go ahead. They give him a small leash, and when WWE wants, they'll fucking yank that shit back as quick as you could fucking blink. And then Ali is right back to where he was before he asked for his release. But they always come back around. That is it. This is going nowhere. I'm happy that Ali's back on TV. I, I wish that they would have plans, solid plans for Ali on WWE television. This is not. Why is he going after the United States Championship? Because Ali is a babyface, and they don't have any more babyfaces to go after the United States Championship and the heel champion in Austin Theory. Ali is a de facto babyface that they're going to use to embarrass which is exactly what they did tonight by mentioning him quitting and wanting to quit, and that was used as fuel in this promo. It was not done to bring a sense of realism. It was not done because, oh my God, WWE's blurring the lines of fucking what's a work and what's a shoot. No. They're going to let you know that this guy did not want to be there. They're going to let you know that this guy wanted to quit. And they're going to fucking embarrass him by feeding him to Austin Theory, who is the new United States champion, who's going to be the United States champion for a very long time and is not going to lose any time soon. This is not a plan. This is just the start of Mustafa Ali's burial on TV before they give him his WWE release. They have nobody else. This guy will be released six months from now. Could be three months from now. It could be at the next set of budget cuts, which I'm, uh, I'm anticipating happening any fucking week now. As long as he's out there making their guy look good, they couldn't give a single iota of a fuck about Mustafa Ali. You wanted my fucking truth on that? There you go. Fuck the dirt sheets, fuck the journalists, and fuck the reports that say there's a goddamn plan for Ali. You go, you could all get excited about fucking Champa versus Ali because Champa came out at the end of the match with Ali. He beat the Miz, and then Champa fucking attacked him at the end. Great. Get excited over a fucking one-off match that's gonna go nowhere. One-off feud that's gonna go nowhere. It all is gonna go right back to what they did with Ali. Always. He's going to wrestle theory. He's going to lose. And if by chance, some small sliver of a fucking chance, he does win the United States Championship, I'm going to claim, yeah, you guys think that you got one over on me, but all you got to do is go back and look at Ricochet. That guy couldn't be a bigger loser now than he ever was in his entire fucking WWE run. He's a loser holding fucking toy belts, is Ricochet. He's a fucking loser who lost twice in the same night because... He's dumb, a dumb baby face. He lost to Los Lotharios. He lost to uh, Angel Garza and Humberto Correa. How's that Intercontinental Championship working out for Ali? All I had to hear is, oh, oh, yeah, look, they're giving Ali a mega push. What, for a week? 
when he won the fucking title. And then after that, how many weeks did he lose? He lost like four matches in a row after losing uh, to Sami Zayn and whoever the fuck else he lost to. Are you fucking serious? Holy shit. WWE dropped the ball on Ali. I'll tell you that. WWE dropped the ball on Ali. They had that hacker gimmick and they could have really played into that. He could have been the fucking bringer of light, the bearer of truth. But WWE, they, they brought him back to TV as the same Ali that we saw before Retribution. That's a plan? Fuck out of here. It's a plan. Give me a fucking break. Plan. Plan? WWE would have to plan fucking six months for me to believe if Ali is going to do anything on WWE TV. A roadmap of sorts. Roadmaps don't exist in WWE. They're still using MapQuest. We're in the fucking modern times where all you gotta do is click a button and fucking navigation pops up on your goddamn phone. You can tell your phone verbally what the fuck you wanna do and where you wanna go. WWE don't have any roadmap ever. Give me a break. Ali beat The Miz. Seven minutes. Miz controlled most of the match and then set up the figure four. Ali counted into a roll-up and won the match via a roll-up one, two, three. Some plan. Some plan. At the end of the match, Ali's walking up and celebrated in the aisle. Tommaso Ciampa attacked Ali, and they kept calling him Ciampa. 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 He's now known as Ciampa. Not Tommaso. Ciampa. Yeah. That's also a plan. Ciampa. If Ali's going to square off against Austin Theory, he'd have to win the fucking match, right? Against Champa. Champa is also being set up to lose. Great job. Great job. Schreiber. She interviewed Rhea Ripley. I wish I could speak to Rhea Ripley and tell her that her promo sucks. Seriously, she may be watching right now. I don't fucking know. This clip will get back to her. She sucks. She sucks. Some fucking Rhea Ripley stan would clip this and say, oh, look, look at what J.D., the basement-dwelling virgin, said about you. Rhea Ripley sucks at a promo. She's very good in the ring. She could be great if WWE actually gave a shit about what the fuck they do with Rhea Ripley. She sucks as a promo. I don't understand. I cut a better promo, and I'm not even in the fucking wrestling realm as an active in-ring performer. I do commentary. I do this. I'm a better promo than Rhea Ripley. Every time Rhea Ripley speaks, it sounds like she remembered the lines five minutes ago after reading the goddamn script. She speaks with this cadence that she's trying desperately to remember the fucking lines that she just read five minutes before the goddamn commercial ended. Can you sound a little bit more natural? Why does everybody sound like a fucking robot? exactly what she sounds like. Sarah Schreiber asked her why she viciously attacked her former tag team partner in Liv Morgan. Ripley said, I have finally opened my eyes. She said this. I became the Raw champion on her own when I first arrived in WWE. But since then, I was tossed into the tag team division paired with a tag team partner who brought down me to their level, and it made me weak. It's exactly what she sounds like. She said she's done associating with disappointment. Liv Morgan flew out of nowhere, attacked Rhea Ripley, and the referees pulled them apart. Great. Great. 
I thought she was joining Edge in Judgment Day. Apparently, we're still getting Rhea Ripley versus Liv Morgan on Monday Night Raw. Man, I can't wait for that one. Something new, please? Stop sounding like a fucking robot, man. Speak with some cadence in an organic sense. Not that you're remembering fucking lines and reading off a goddamn script or you looking at a goddamn teleprompter. Kevin Owens is backstage chatting with Chad Gable. Owens told Gable he's not going to pay him until he gets the results he wants for the lie detector test. Seth came in. Gable, shush! Shush, please! To Seth Rollins. He said, this is an A plus and B conversation, so why don't you see your way out? Oh, thank you! Says Chad Gable. Owens did not like being called a B player. He told him he's not paying him. Seth waved goodbye, and Kevin Owens shooed Mr. Gable away. KO yelled at Seth for insulting him after he was fighting his heart out. Seth says he was wrapped up in the moment. Owens says he wants to give him a lie detector test because he's better friends with Seth than Seth is with him. The Usos walked in and said that they need to win tonight, and they need them to not lose it for them. Jimmy said that they better be on the same damn page. Jay said they don't want to get on the Tribal Chief's bad side because nobody wants to see that side of the Tribal Chief. Seth then laughed at the Tribal Chief and told KL that this is their show. Owens shoved Seth and said Seth uh, said uh, he could do this on his own. Seth then said, listen, I don't need you. I could do this all by myself. Oh, thank you. We got Kevin Patrick... Interviewing the mighty Omar, Omar, Omar's an MVP. They were asked about the attack on Bobby Lashley. MVP said with absolutely zero due respect. The arm wrestling challenge wasn't about brawn. It was about brains. Said Lashley isn't the almighty without him. Said Omar has officially challenged Lashley to a match at Backlash. Omar then says... Oh, when I'm done with Bobby Lashley, there won't be much left of the almighty. The mighty Omas. Main event time. Cody Rhodes, RK Bro, and Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and the Usos. This was a fun tag team match that went about 12 minutes or so, 13 minutes or so. Uh, This was fun for while it lasted. Ezekiel had arm tassels. I'm not sure if you guys uh, saw that in the open of the 20th anniversary celebration for Randy Orton. He's got arm tassels like Macho Man and the Ultimate Warrior. All we read is that WWE didn't want Elias to have this gimmick because he looked too much like Macho Man Randy Savage. And here he is out there looking like Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah. Right? Why? I guess the dirt sheet's got that one wrong, too. Whatever. Ezekiel is going nowhere. This was fun. This was Ezekiel in there getting some offense. He was in there to kind of feed off the heat of RK Bro and Cody Rhodes. So that was a nice spot for him. Ezekiel hit Rollins with a jumping knee and a nice spine buster for two. Uh, Riddle tagged in, hit a few moves until Jimmy Uso took him down. And in very stereotypical RK Bro fashion, Matt Riddle got beat up and then made the hot tag to Randy Orton, just like uh, everything else. Very academic for RK Bro here. 
So he tagged himself and did Orton. As Riddle was falling backwards, Randy Orton made the hot tag in his corner. And he handed out back suplex to Jay, Rollins, and Owens onto the announce table before giving Jay a draping DDT. Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, that is, gave Rollins a disaster kick and Orton followed with an RKO. Ezekiel assisted Orton into giving Owens an RKO and Riddle assisted in Orton giving Jimmy an RKO. Jay, out of nowhere, tried for a big uh, move off the top rope. He tried for a splash or cross body of sorts and Randy Orton caught him coming off the top rope in an RKO. So RKOs for everybody, man. You get an RKO. You get an RKO. RKOs everywhere to celebrate Randy Orton. One, two, three. Knoxville, Tennessee goes home happy, and Randy Orton gets the victory for his team. The Usos, they lost to Matt Riddle. Jimmy and Jay both lost singles matches to Matt Riddle. Now they lose here again. Jimmy Uso gets pinned by Randy Orton. If there's one thing that comes out of this tag team match, I am confidently here to tell you that the Usos are not losing the unification match at the pay-per-view. They have been losers in every which way to RK Bro on TV. The Usos will be the unified Raw and SmackDown tag team champions of World Wrestling Entertainment. There's no way that they've lost all these times on TV and then go into the pay-per-view and still lose. I don't know what that means for RK Bro, but they will not be the unified tag team champions of WWE. Good match, fun match. It is what it is. It was all about Randy Orton, and it set up the pay-per-view match for the Usos and RK Bro Unified Tag Team Championships. Ladies and gentlemen, I am done with the post-show portion of the podcast tonight. Thank you guys very much. Hopefully you enjoyed. If you laughed, if you cried, if you found something here informative or you, you believed in something being truthful, hit that thumbs up, man. We got 900 likes. I need 100 more for 1,000. I need 100 more for 1,000, man. I got 2,200 people in here. So hit that thumbs up, man. I know you can do it. Helps me out. Super Chats, they're open. Get them on in, man. Get your uh, drinks. Last call. Before we get out of here, man. Hit that join button down below. Continue to become OTS VIPs and join me in the VIP lounge right back there, man. We got some great shit coming up, man. We're going to be moving out of the venue this summer. And by the time we get to the forbidden door, I may be in a new beer garden, man. You may have an all-new setting to look at while we review this terrible program every Monday night. It's coming. Follow me on Twitter at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. And make sure you guys go check out my sponsor for today's show, man, Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. That's code JD at checkout for your F-R-E-E sample. Let's hit the Super Chats, man. Doesn't look like we got many tonight. I don't know what the fuck's going on with you guys, man. Are the drinks too expensive in the bar? I don't know. $2 Super Chat by Joseph Taylor. Edge as a heel is phenomenal. Edge is awesome. It's one of the best things about the show. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Tonight felt like a 1.4 rated show, even with Oscar. Oh, it will be about a 1.516. You can guarantee the raw rating coming in tomorrow will be less than it was last week. Especially with the Nets playing tonight. Everybody was all about the Nets. The Nets lost tonight, didn't they? 
Paul David Elliott with a six-month membership. Thank you for the recommitment, brother. Heard Oscar return, but how about the Mets comeback tonight? Crazy ninth inning. I I haven't paid attention to anything, man. Braves are shitting it up already, man. They may be out of contention before we even get into the month of May. But they are notorious slow stars, man. So they did the same thing last year. I'm not worried about them. They got a great team. Joseph Taylor with a two-dollar super chat. Raw was okay. Some of it was okay. Most of it was bad. Bradley Robinette with a 199 super chat. Raw sucked. Like how bad my Red Sox played tonight. Lauren Hutton with a two-dollar super chat. Happy 20th anniversary, Randy Orton. Raw was okay. Gary Gordon with a $5 super chat. No more element of surprise on returns. It's all over social media. Social media ruins the moment. WWE is to blame as well, man. It could be a great moment, even though you know it's coming, but WWE doesn't make anything of the moment. They don't make anything of the moment at all. They just give you whatever. It's very boring. Instead of being creative, they give you the same shit that you've seen over and over and over and over again. Joshua Simo with a 499 Super Chat. WWE creative JD versus The Fly in a steel cage match next week. The Fly got his uh, <coughs> judgment day. Guys, we need 60, uh, actually, we know we need uh, 44 likes. Hit that thumbs up, guys. We still got 2,000 in here. We need 44 likes. I know there is 44 of you in this chat right now that have not hit the thumbs up. Why do I have to continue to ask? If this review hasn't earned your thumbs up, man, I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing something wrong. Hit the thumbs up. Justin Striplin with a 499 Super Chat after tonight. I don't want to hear Becky Lynch on the mic again. She sounded like a combination of Gollum and the Wicked Witch of the West. The Little Hobbitses. We got Becky Lynch talking about fucking Lord of the Rings. We got Let Me Adam fucking Butch on SmackDown. Let Me Adam Scoob. Reggie. Ridiculous. She's awful. Robert Grimsley with a $5 super chat. Do you think WWE is booking Bianca just a little too strong? It seems like they won't even let any of the horsewomen beat her clean. Not even Charlotte. She's beaten all the horsewomen except Charlotte. Sasha should really be the number one on the entire women's side. But she's not. She's fucking doing nothing with Naomi. Tonight she was booked a little too strong, though, I will say. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous, man. That was fucking lame. Whatever they did with Sony Deville and Bianca Belair was fucking lame. Kelly with a 199 Super Chat and then a 499 Super Chat to follow up. My precious! Stop, JD. You made me choke on a taco. LOL. Jesse let another fly in. JD, now I got to throw my homemade tacos out and make more for the OTS family. Can I get it? My precious! For Tony Storm's sake. No, I'm not blaming the fly on Jesse, man. I'm only joking around. We love Jesse. I love Jesse. 
Jesse will be back eventually. He's on uh, he's on suspension right now. Captain Solo with a five dollar super chat. Becky Lynch needs to study the work of Chris Jericho on how to be a legit heel and a legit babyface. That isn't cringe. Keep up the great work, JD. Becky Lynch is awful, bro. If she was so good, she'd be the best heel in the fucking business. She's not. She's the worst. The cake with a $5 super chat. Look what happened with John Cena. It's not... It's never not obvious when the brass likes you. Same will happen with Braun. I could see that being a WrestleMania main event at some point, man. Braun Breaker versus Austin Theory. Book it. Phil with a 499 super chat. So I was speaking to a few friends and I said that Cody is at possible risk of being overexposed. Am I wrong in saying that? Let me know what you think. Phil, I, I, I do not feel like that at this point in time. I will say, I think doing the two theme musics every week for Cody Rhodes is a little too much. I do. I, I don't think we need to hear that man's theme music twice every single week. The more you do it, the less impact it has. Kelly becomes a new member. Kelly, thank you so much. What are you drinking tonight? Sitting VIP is Kelly for the first time. Margaret DeSalvo. $2 Super Jet. Seth is a better heel than Becky. Indeed, he is. And Omega Kong with a four-month recommitment to the VIP club. Omega Kong, thank you so much, brother. Between Becky and the Hobbits... Omas and Deville flip-flopping her powers like a dolphin. I think I'ma be sick. I'ma throw up my old-fashioned. Bro, don't throw up your old-fashioned. That would be a waste of delicious bourbon. Guys, we're about to get out of here, man. I appreciate you all for hanging out on this Monday night, man. Slow night for Super Chats, bro. Maybe the drinks are too expensive tonight. I don't know. Or maybe Jesse isn't serving them right, man. I have no idea. Maybe you guys miss Issa. I have no idea. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, guys, that means I can get out of here early. Follow me on Twitter, man, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. The new Elon Musk-owned Twitter. I'm not going anywhere. Follow me on social media. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all the other videos, especially Sundays, last nights, off the script, 427. Now you go check out Blue Chew, man. My sponsor for tonight's show, Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Next time you'll see me is live tomorrow night for NXT, guys. Until then, I love you. Stay safe. Enjoy your Tuesdays, and I'll see you live in the venue for NXT right here on OTS. Have a good night, guys.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 